1: What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly.
0: This is a Brawl
1: Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. Here to take you on the road to victory, it's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network, powered by DraftKings, Manscaped, and Fanatics. Wherever you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Co-host Connor Miles here with my Eagles Brawl, our Eagles Brawl, the best Eagles writer around, Ed Cross. That is a biased opinion, but you are always been one of my favorites. Just getting to do this podcast – uh episodes with you and you willingly contributing your time to hopping on these episodes and helping the podcast grow uh in 2020 has been a blessing, my friend. So happy new year to you. Thank you for all your help, uh making us what we are today because people love listening uh when you're on here. It's it's good to hear you at least have your say out there every single week because it's it's one of the I mean podcasts are the future, I feel like. So uh with all the other beat writers that get their voice out there on the radios one one way, shape or form. And I know you You're guest starring on multiple podcasts and multiple radio appearances, but to consistently get your opinion out there on this show has been awesome. It's been a great experience. So again, thank you for everything you've done for us this year. And it's going to be an exciting off season, my friend. It's going to be an exciting off season to cover. I know it's been a crazy year with COVID going on. Your experience covering the team has been absolutely insanely different than you ever have before in your life covering the team. But what? It's crazy to me, is you still had to find a way to do your job, right? You still had to find a way to pump out articles. Uh, you and I have reached out to people in unorthodox ways, like how the Monte Ray, Re- how you and I mo- interviewed Monte Rager on this podcast, that was through Twitter. Like, I met Monte through Twitter, yeah. I got his number and I started talking to him more. Like, that's where the world is going to right now because of COVID. So, you've had to do the same, you've had to reach out on unorthodox ways, but you still got the job done. You still wrote every single article, at least, what, two per day for Sports Illustrated, Eagles Sports Illustrated page with John McMullen. You guys have content pumping out there 24-7. I didn't hear you make an excuse about (laughs) COVID affecting that and COVID laying people off. So why do I hear my Super Bowl winning head coach who wrote a book about being fearless make nothing but excuse after excuse after excuse, which granted, yes, he has a point in these excuses, but when you're supposed to be this, when you, you tell us it's the new norm, like we're going to be a dynasty in that implication. We're going to be contenders every year. The playoffs come run through Philadelphia. uh, And then you just show us what you did last. I mean, Let's just even go back to last year. They had to fire Mike Grove because we were so frustrated with the offense. We thought that was going to be the fix. You know, we need to get Doug as Frank Reich. They didn't do that. And Jeff Giller in the offseason and John McMullen covered it perfectly for you guys this week. wanted to bring in USC's offensive coordinator Graham Harrell to really inject something new, something creative to Doug Peterson's system. And that was a completely failure because Doug didn't want to give up play calling. Graham didn't want to come to a job where he didn't do play calling. That's a demotion for him, technically, before he's out of USC. So Jeffrey gets his collaborative efforts all set up, but it still caters to what Doug Peterson wants. And then they go into the season and it gets worse. I mean, so Mike Grows off in Indianapolis and he's doing just fine. Indianapolis looks like a playoff type caliber team. Frank Ruck looks like a good offensive coach. They're at least being creative with a quarterback who should retire. They're still getting it done over there. Yet, though, Peterson now is in charge of Carson Wentz, who was the MVP Palover quarterback and it has completely regressed. Puts his rookie quarterback in, provides a little bit of a spark, and then he can't capitalize and build upon that spark. And they look like one of the most undisciplined teams in football this season. That's another thing that we can't take away from they were one of the worst penalized teams in the NFL this year so my question to you Ed, as a guy who has to sit in these zoom meetings and listen to all these excuses how can you knowing Jeffrey Lurie covering Jeffrey Lurie for 10 plus years in the industry think that these excuses are going to fly with him and that you can give Doug Peterson another chance
0: yeah I mean whatever happened to accountability um you know we saw it through the you know the middle stages of the season when they were losing there was there was accountability but we haven't seen it now that uh, I think Doug's feet are being held to the fire here and um you know so he's making these excuses for a bad season um, he's not showing accountability and he's almost like pointing out that hey I'm the man for the job I can fix everything uh, you know I can I'm the one who can do it uh, but yet when I asked, I asked him on Friday. Um, exactly what things need to be fixed. Where do you start? I mean, he just went through, well, you could pick anything. And, I mean, he really doesn't have any answers, at least publicly, Um, no focus. You know, he should have, like, okay, I need to fix this, 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 and this, in that order, you know, starting with Carson Wentz probably. But he's all over the place on that. And, you know, if he goes into, you know, Jeffrey Lurie's office on Monday when the season ends or Tuesday or right after the game, whenever they talk, um, you know, he's going to have to be a little more focused, in my opinion, if he wants to save his job. I mean, going out publicly and and you know beating his chest and saying, "Well, it's injuries and oh, it's COVID and we didn't have the OTAs." And look, the NFLPA is even talking now about uh, resisting these OTAs. You know, they're they're trying to do away with this spring workout stuff. And this is where Doug is hanging his hat that this is going to make the team all better next year because we're going to be together in April, May, and June. Um, but that may not happen again because the NFLPA might fight that so then what um, you know to me you really kind of have to see through the mist of these excuses and uh, this pounding of the chest that I'm the man to fix it and I know how to do it um, and, and look past that and look at the accountability who who has to take the fall here um, you know it, it's almost kind of worked on me to be honest with you Connor He'll <laughs> listen to him saying I'm the guy in this confident demeanor that he has it's like Well, you know, maybe he does have a chance, but you know, I don't want to be blinded to what has transpired over 16 weeks of a season or 17 weeks. Um, And Jeffrey can't be either. He has to kind of make the hard decisions here. Um, Doug does have the support of all his players and all his coaches, everybody you talk to. And even Ron Rivera, the Washington coach talked to us on a media call this week. And he pointed to the Pittsburgh Steelers going through two years of missing the playoffs under Mike Tomlin and, John Harbaugh really struggling in Baltimore, and yet they kept him because they decided that they needed to fix the personnel end of things, but they wanted to keep the culture in place. And, and you know, to me, that was a pretty good point. You know, I mean, Doug has instilled a culture here um, where the players play hard, they practice hard, they work hard. Um, but there's a disconnect between what's taking place on the field uh, and, and what he I think he's teaching at practice.
1: That is a good point, but I mean, it's in some shape or form. Those teams still change things around him. I be—you're mean, on the same agreement. I don't know how you feel now because I think that accountability article was also something that Harry Roseman needs to step up for, and Jeffrey mm-hmm. Lurie needs to look, give a fair evaluation of Howie Roseman with that, with removing his love for Howie blinders. But yeah. I mean, of the two likely to go, it's likely Doug, mm-hmm. right? It's still, right, luckily, well, Doug. those
0: two, yeah. But I mean, you could say, okay, they'll bring them back and get rid of Jim Schwartz and Dave Phipp, the special team coordinator, and see what happens. That yeah, enough. I don't, I don't think it would help either. I mean, you know, um, the thing about getting rid of Doug is then you start over, and then where do you turn? Um, you know, there's going to be a host of candidates out there. Uh, you know, and some of them they may already have talked to. Who knows? Um, behind the scenes. Uh, but Doug is certainly seems like he's very confident that he's going to return. And, um, you know, Ron Rivera even said the new Orleans saints, Sean Payton had troubles after winning a super bowl too. You know, he kind of, some of those teams went bad. um, And yet they kept him and they stayed with him and now here the saints are again. So, you know, if you're going to keep Doug, if you're going to take that approach, the culture reigns above all else, then there have to be changes elsewhere. Uh, And clearly it starts with personnel. And then what do you do with Howie? Um, You're not going to bring in a new GM if you don't get rid of the coach, too. I don't think a GM would want to come in uh, unless he knows Doug very well and, and keep a coach. I mean, that's tough to do. I know Joe Douglas did that in New York when he went to the Jets. He kept Adam Gaze in charge, which was a mystery to me. Um, but I would think that most GMs would want to come in and have their own coach. If they're going to hope to have success, they're going to want to bring in their man. Uh, and unless they really know Doug well and believe that he is the man, then they're going to have to get a new coach too. So I don't think you can get rid of Howie and not Doug, um, but I think you can get rid of Doug and not Howie.
1: See, the cool thing about I mean, the instant, the the common denominator in the least, three, two of those three instances of those head coaches that Ron Rivera mentioned is neither of them call plays. They're the leader of men. So I feel like if that is the way you bring Doe Peterson back, then I get it because players do play for him. He is a player's coach. But, I mean, look, it's hard to just for me to condemn bringing No Peterson back with the way that offense looked. Like, it's not creative. It's very vanilla. It's very boring. He doesn't scheme for his receivers well. No 1,000-yard wide receivers in a passing error league. Uh, and Chip Kelly had two in his three years here. And you can cite talent, and I would say it's a fair argument, but, I mean, come on. The offense, it, he does he obviously shows you he can't scheme for receivers. I think what people are saying, yeah, Aguilar needed to change the scenery. You're right. But, I mean, he, he's in an offense that's using him correctly, too. And that's what the Eagles struggle to use. And I think Tyler made a good point, too, on, on the recap show. Is Golden Tate did just fine in New York, and he was a lost cause in Philadelphia. Like, you have to start pointing the issues on offense to the play caller because it's his system. I don't think yeah. he called it a necessarily bad game versus Dallas because uh, watching all 22, yes, receivers got to open a lot, but I think you have to take into account the, the caliber of defense he was playing. That's one of the historically worst defenses in the NFL history. Uh, I would be shocked if he didn't scheme a good play calling for that game. And then, it, any more, it's even more of an indictment to get rid of him. But I just think there's, unless he's saying, unless you really get Doug to agree. I can't call plays whatsoever. Like, I can't do that anymore. It's just not me. I'm not that. Mike Tomlin's not that. Uh, John Harbaugh's not that. And that's how they're staying long-term time, long term with their teams. And their players always buy into them, similar to how my players buy into me. Fine. I will relieve myself of those duties because I want to be the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. I can help write this shit. But uh, my offense definitely can't. Then that's the only way I can finally get on board with bringing him back. But other than that, I can't because I don't think he's ever going to be that coach. I don't think he's ever going to want to be that coach.
0: Exactly. I mean, and then that could be an option for Jeffrey say, hey, look, we want you to give up play calling. We want to bring in an offensive coordinator and then flush out guys like, you know, Marty Morningweg and Rich Gangarello and, you know, maybe even get rid of Press Taylor or just make him the quarterback's coach. And then, you know, because to have, you know, one guy is in charge of the passing game with Press Taylor and another one's in charge of the running game with Jeff Statlin. I mean, that's just, we've seen it. it. It doesn't work. Something didn't work this year. And that's as good a reason as any, is the too many cooks spoil the broth theory. So, you know, you're not going to find a, an offensive coordinator unless he's looking to rebuild his image. And, you know, let's face it, Frank Reich had just been fired from the Chargers as the head coach.
1: He was uh, looking to rebuild his image. Absolutely. And he was
0: looking to rebuild his, you know, repair his image. And, you know, him and Doug were, were tight, both backup quarterbacks in the league for a number of years. So um, it made sense for Frank. But you know, guys like that are far and few between. If you want to bring in a young guy, an innovative guy, uh, a young mind to kind of change the way the NFL is going with this, this you know, air raid approach like we've seen with Cliff Kingsbury, um, th- then you are going to have to make sure he has the responsibility of calling the plays. And I could see Lurie saying, Doug, you know, look, we're you know, if you want to come back, we'll bring you back because we love your culture. But you can't call plays. You're going to be the guy that is just overseeing the entire operation. And we'll even give you a new defensive coordinator. And you can even be more involved on defense. And then maybe you bring in a young defensive coordinator, too, um, to kind of build the defense. And he can oversee the whole thing. I mean, this, it, it would be a great thing to me, I think, to do that. Because I do like what Doug has done with the culture. Um, Yeah,
1: absolutely. He fixed
0: the culture that was
1: ruined by Jeff Kelly. So I do agree with that. But but to make um, it work,
0: you have to bring in the O coordinator and we'll give you a new D coordinator. We'll get rid of Jim um, and we'll bring in a young D coordinator and then you can oversee both of them. You'll be the figurehead. You'll be the guy overseeing everything Um, because he doesn't do anything on the defense, Doug. It's all Jim. Um, and it worked in 2017, right. but um, you know I think if you're going to strip the duties of play calling, then you bring in a, co- a defensive coordinator that he's comfortable overseeing and having a say in the defense. Because I'm not sure how much say he gives to, you know, to gives to Jim that Jim actually listens to <laughs> on game days.
1: No, I, none whatsoever, if, right. if if any. But uh, I just I foresee a mutual party happening. I think it's a mutual party in order because I think. And I, I mean, look at I'm, if I'm Doug Peterson, I look at what I did when Carson Wentz wasn't my quarterback and I point to that and I say, I can still be a good offensive play calling coach. I'm going to go with this. Cause I just think the guy's ego all, he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I think his system is way outdated though. Yeah. He, and he doesn't have a feel for situational play calling whatsoever. What's, That's why I don't think Carson and Doug can work anymore. And I find, and it's people are like, you're coming to that conclusion after one bad season. It's not one bad season. This offense hasn't been productive since the since the Super Bowl season. It's been a struggling unit day in day out with the quarterback that they donned the franchise quarterback. And my thing is now, when things get out of structure for Carson, once he struggles, when things get out of structure for Doug Peterson, he struggles. How can your two leaders of that offense both struggle at the same time and the unit succeed, it's not going to work. So if they, if Jeff, which I still think they're all in on Carson Wentz, by the way, I mean, that's a different conversation for a different day and probably something that we'll do next week for our end of the year review for the Eagles. But uh, if they could be a Carson, I, I don't see how you bring Doug back. And for everybody that wants to bring in this offensive coordinator, I think you made a great point there. Frank Reich, was scapegoated for Mike Mc, Mike McCoy's struggles with the Chargers, and he ended up proving the Chargers wrong, and ended up being a good coach. And now he's with the Colts, and he's secured right there with Indianapolis. He's good. He just needs a quarterback. That's it.
0: Yeah, and maybe it'll be Carson.
1: Those, yeah, and those. I mean, that's again different conversation for a different day. But these these offensive coordinators that these people speak of don't grow on trees. I mean, you're if you. The only offensive of quitter I can think of off the top of my head that would want to like re rebrand wow. his image is or offensive type coach that's so going to re- rebrand their images is Doug Marone or Jay Gruden in Jacksonville. I can't really think of many more off top of my head right now while we're recording this podcast that will come in here and want to or have to be the next Frank Reich. And if they are the next Frank Reich, or they are this innovative young offensive coach, they're going to get a head coaching job. If, you, if they do what people hope for them to do, they're going to get a head coaching job. And then are you going to trust Doug and say, let's give a chance with Doug again, and then he fails? And then you're like, all right, do we need to do an offensive coordinator again? Like, you want to keep doing this? Yeah. I don't
0: Well, I would hate it for it to be Press Taylor. I don't think he'd be able to slide yeah. into an offensive coordinator. I mean, you, you need a new voice here. And, you know, how about John D. Filippo? You know, maybe look at who's the hot quarterbacks coach. You know, who who's coaching quarterbacks in this league that, have had success, and maybe you look at someone like that, like Andy Reed was a quarterbacks coach. Now they elevated the head coach, but if you look around the league and look at quarterback coaches that are young and are working with quarterbacks and doing a good job, um, then maybe you bring in one of them. And I'm trying to think who, you know, some of the young quarterbacks are that are doing well. Obviously, Mahomes and um,
1: yeah, Mike Kafka. Uh, but that's yeah. just, I, I would not want to go down the Andy Reed pipeline anymore yeah you know, I'm, I'm a little done with that to be honest with you i want something fresh and new and get out of big reed's shadow because i as much as success as cushy tree has it doesn't have longevity
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean that that would be some research that you know i'd like to maybe look at in the next couple of weeks if something yeah, were to happen and <clears throat> as the that's hoop- definitely
1: an off-season pod topic of an episode for sure that we can all debate upon if the firing of doug does happen or even so they're going to bring in a new offensive coordinator or something like that. Regardless, some changes right. on the offense are happening. Right. But, Ed, do you trust High Rosen to get another shot to rejuvenate this franchise into a contender once again? And do you believe John Dorsey would be the right guy to come in and help him if he stays full time? So, just quick, real quick, before that, uh I think why I'm I've convinced myself that they're bringing back he so much. Like I've already got to that point where. There's no doubt in my mind Howie Rosen comes back, so I've really haven't blamed him as much or haven't really uh, critiqued him as much as I should have on this podcast because I've already convinced myself he's coming back. He there's no way that that's not happening. Like he's here regardless. But uh, at the end of the day, he really doesn't deserve to. You can't really continuously have these many bad drafts and stick with a job, and you can also can't survive three coaching stats. That's unheard of. Like, you have to finally point at the common denominator and say it's time for a change. So, we ran a poll, and I mean, over over 300 people voted, and it was 80, I think it was 89% wanting higher hire and fired. And I'm like, I get it. Like, I mean, it's a result-driven league, and uh, when you look at a GM, you really just judge those GMs on contracts they give and draft picks they make. Other than that...
0: Right. And, and look, look at, look at the cornerback situation this year. I mean, you had all slot corners on the team and now here we are in a situation where the Eagles are banged up at cornerback. Avante Maddox is gone. You, you basically have all slot corners. Aside from Darius Slay, everybody else was a slot corner. You only kept Maddox who really isn't an outside corner. Let's be honest. He's better as a free safety and, he, and then his second best job would be as a slot cornerback. His third is the outside corner. But, you know, to, to just, I mean, who else did they have? I mean, Michael Jaquette was an undrafted free agent. Um, you know, Keevon Seymour was out of football for two years. I mean, they're – I, I would
1: love to get Howie and, and Jim Schwartz in two separate rooms. Like, it's a confession at church. and be like, why did City Jones and Rizzo Douglas not work? <laughs> why did uh, Shannon Sullivan, young guys that Howie – Plucked in here and tried to make work with with Jim Schwartz not work, and who who starts pointing the fingers at who then? Because, I mean, it's not, I can't sit here and say how he hasn't tried to bring people in. They've just never been the right people. To, well, it's never worked.
0: Look at the roster. They kept, you know, Craven LeBlanc, you know, Nickel, Roby, Coleman. Right. They went with all, you're right. It's Darius oh, in the slot cornerback right. factory. And now we see, you know, the Cowboys come in and just torture him three guys over 100 yards. And, yeah. you know, we saw it all year that. You know, receivers had big games. Chase Claypool and you know Michael Thomas. Well, I don't know what Michael Thomas said, but you know DK Metcalf. I mean, it's just you can't so on and so forth. The usual yeah. typical
1: Eagle stuff. The secondary still got burnt. Yeah,
0: I mean, and and it's just a, a misconstruction of the of the roster when you look at what they did out of out of the gate. Keeping that many slot corners there was a question then, and you know it's a bigger question now. And we've seen that they needed cornerbacks, and all they have is little tiny slot guys. They can't cover game on game side.
1: Who do you put that on, though? Like, personally, because Howie,
0: I, in charge of the personnel, it's got to be Howie.
1: Right. But you would have been, we're always led to believe that Jim Schwartz is like the do this, do that, do this, do that. And now it's been more debated this year, I think, because of all the, the failures of what, who has to say. Cause I think I've seen a lot of more people come to Jim's defense because they're like, look at the personnel he's dealing with that linebacker. Look what he's dealing with that corner. Look what he's dealing with that safety. So on and so forth
0: yeah well, I'll say the one thing about Jim and this is his fault is that um he puts a lot of pressure on that d line you know I mean, if those guys aren't functioning or if they're banged up or they're not getting home, then that puts a lot of pressure on the other two levels of the defense because that you know that you're paying guys you know uh substandard money compared to what other guys are making. At linebacker and at corner and at safety. So, you know, it's Jim's fault that he puts that much pressure on the D line. I mean, you need to spread those resources out a little bit. And if the D line's not getting home, then you have to have corners that can shut down. You have to have linebackers that can make plays. Um, and, you know, that's all Jim. You know, Jim wants a strong defensive line. How he knows that. It's not Jim saying, give me this, give me that. It's Jim. He, Jim says, look, I like a strong defensive line, I like a good pass rush. Um, And that's what Howie's invested in. Um, It's not like Jim said, hey, go get me Malik Jackson, who will probably be gone after this year. Hey, go get me Javon Hargrave, who will be back for one more year, but really needs to play a lot better. Um, And now we see Fletcher Cox go out against Dallas, and the whole thing went south. Um, So it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't have that many resources bundled into one area of the team. I mean, I get it. I know they want to be strong up front, but you can't do that at the expense of ignoring – the other two levels of a defense.
1: My thing with Jim is, you can get rid of him for sure because I, I I just don't understand why he consistently plays so much zone. It really hurts the Eagles. I, I think it hurts the corners at the end of the day. Yeah, with yeah. the amount of zone that he plays. But uh, my my the thing that I worry about getting rid of him is I don't think the grass is always greener on the other side. Like we went through the Billy Davis years, we went through the Juan Castillo. Defensive coordinator years. We went through the early stages of Sean McDermott. Like, we've been in defensive coordinator really hell before Jim Schwartz arrived. So, uh, uh,
0: Matt Burke, you know, Matt Burke's, you know, the D line coach, and he's been a defensive coordinator with the Dolphins. You wonder if, you know, uh, they would bring him in. I mean, he's, he's done. Jim
1: Schwartz's son, though, man. So, what are you really, are you really changing much? Well, I don't know. It
0: might. I mean, maybe philosophically, it looks a little bit of the same, but um, I I think he
1: would be an option for sure because of the sack production from the defensive line this year. If they were to move on from Jim Shorts, he would definitely be an in-house candidate uh, to replace him. I believe that one hundred percent. And they also have
0: Mark Mark Juan Manuel, who was a D coordinator before. I mean, say what you want about the DBs, you know, a lot of them got banged up, but you know, he would be an in-house candidate as well. But uh, again, I'd have to look and see who's out there defensive, who, who could be a defensive coordinator from another team. Um, I don't think another D coordinator from another team would make a lateral move. So you're going to have to look at guys that are coaching other positions.
1: Do you trust Holly Roseman to rejuvenate this two franchise to fix this mess?
0: Well, um, probably not. No,
1: I don't. Think I do <laughs> Most people, most people dope. So, don't. So no, Let's theoretically say that John Dorsey does not get a GM job this offseason, and he, and he, the Eagles do hire him to stay full time on with him and be partners with High Rose. do you think those two are working t- together, hand in hand, can fix the Eagle situation together?
0: Well, I think you know I like you know I like that better with another set of eyes and another voice that has experience like Dorsey, uh, for sure. Can the two of them do it? I. I don't know. I mean, I guess I like that option better than just letting Howie do it. Um, but you know, first of all, they, they've they got to make some decisions with this salary cap situation that, uh, you know, Howie has dug them a big hole in, in, in the salary cap. And he, of course he didn't expect COVID to, you know, make that big of a financial impact on, on the salary cap. I mean, it's going to go up or, you know, it's going to da- go down by like 20 to 25 million, I think. Um, because of the covid and no fans and all that stuff but uh even without that though they were well over the cap at 45 50 million i think 50 million ish they were over the cap before the covid impact so there's going to be some hard decisions and you know uh you know if dorsey's here to kind of help guide through those or talk through those i mean then then so be it i mean i think that's
1: a good thing that's a good thing yeah that's I agree with that 100%. They need somebody that can f- oversee these personnel decisions with no emotional attachment because that's what they're going to need. they going to have to fix this cap situation. They're going to have to get in some sort of good standings to at least fix some sort of issues on this team. Uh, exactly. My, another, another thing I wanted to run by you, because I think we're – you know, Eagles fans, We what have you done for me lately? That's just what it is. Uh, It's never going to change. It doesn't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but sometimes it can be a bad thing. But in Jalen Rager's case, the whole entire offense completely fell on its face this year. And I 100% don't believe, and I can 100% say in talking to his father, it feels the same exact way, who, again, has a personal relationship Doug Peterson, did coach with him for a little bit with the Eagles when he was coaching intern he believes he doesn't use Jalen Rager right at all in this offense this year. He's not used being utilized. Correct. I feel that way. I think you feel that way. I think many other B writers feel that way. So with that being said, with Doug coming out and implying that he needs to do a better job, scheming for his receivers open. Do you think that Jalen Rager's rookie season is a fluke? Do you think he could bounce back from this and that, it's really the disconnect with the staff being able to utilize the skill set is really the issues here. Or is there something else that uh, we need to start heating on to? Because I will say I, I've been a huge John Rager advocate, definitely have a relationship with his father. Uh, I definitely believe in the kid. I think he can definitely turn around and be a great player for this team. But I do think that his biggest issues in football is he gets dejected when things aren't going his way. And that's a problem because in the NFL, rarely do things go your way. You have to make them go your way. And if you deject yourself from plays or you don't put the full effort into these plays, you're going to miss out on opportunities and you're not going to get the next opportunity because of that. So I think that is a, something that needs to be corrected. Uh, I think winning, I think confidence, and I think being utilized correctly instead of being frustrated without being utilized incorrectly uh can change a lot for Jalen Rager going into next year. But I think I, I do think Doug's an issue with that. And I think him coming out and implying that he could do a better job in that area really answers that question for me of what what else went wrong with Jalen Rager's rookie season.
0: Yeah, I mean you're right. You can't you can't lay the whole blame at Doug's feet and the coaching staff's feet on Jalen Rager. I mean Jalen has to uh, look at himself too and see what he can do better. And he has to work to get better. Um, he has to play a hundred percent every single snap. And, you know, listen, I, I'm not sure he has, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't know why, maybe it is because he gets a little dejected and a little down. And, um, but, you know, listen, you're right. If you're not playing a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, you're going to miss opportunities. And I think we may have seen some of that. Um, and, and you know, he's going to have to look at himself and figure that out. I mean, we talked to him on Zoom earlier in the week, and he talked about, um, you know, what did he learn? And he learned that he's going against guys that have been in the league that are men eight, nine, ten years, like Patrick Peterson. And in college, you're used to going against guys that have only been around for four years at most. So, you know, he's got to work harder at his route running. He has to work harder with his his work ethic and getting open. And we don't see practice, so – you know, and we were only there for, you know, two weeks of training camp and um, he looked good. I mean, he looked like he was working, you know, he looked like he ran good patterns and then he got hurt. He hurt his shoulder and I don't think that helped. And then he had the thumb injury, you know, a fluke thumb injury tore the UCL thumb uh, tendon in his thumb and that cost him five games. Um, you know, and those things add up when you're trying to develop as a receiver and you know, maybe he just kind of got down from that and never really was able to pick himself up. You know, I thought it was interesting when we talked to Aaron Moorhead about a month ago, and he said that, you know, he saw a little of the pressure of being a first-round pick kind of show in Jalen Rager. You know, I mean, there is a lot of pressure being a first-round pick in any city, yet alone Philadelphia. We saw it with Brandon Graham, couldn't handle it uh, until, you know, later in his career. And then, you know, we see it with Derek Barnett who can't stay healthy, and um, just a lot of pressure, on a first round pick, but Moorhead thought that he was working his way through it. And he thinks Rager really wants to be great, not just for himself, but for the city of Philadelphia. I mean, that's the kind of kid he is. So um, I'm not ready to give up on him. And I don't think fans should be either. I think that he's going to have, like he said, I'm not here for a year. I'm here for years. Uh, And, and I think, you know, if he puts in the time and he does the right things and he's got a father who played in the NFL, who can counsel him on this. um, I think, yeah, I think next year he could come back. Uh, whether Doug's here or not, and I think he can be productive, more productive than he was this year.
1: I completely agree. I mean, no matter what, the offense is changing in some shape or form. I think he will come back stronger next year, but if not, then I will eat crow because he's definitely not the player that I thought he was going to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, If he does not come back because I know things are going to change no matter what, whether it's quarterback, whether it's offensive system, things are going to change. Uh, If Jalen Raider is about to die next year, then I will Finally, e-crow on that. But Ed Dave Phipps press conference was a little interesting to me. Uh, it really seemed like a guy pleading to his next NFL team that may consider hiring him. Hey, wasn't me, not my bad. Yeah, definitely not on me, man. I was a Super Bowl winning special teams coach before. I did just fire Chip Kelly. Uh, look at it's their fault for not adding players to the special teams unit. What would you make of that? I thought that was completely crazy. I mean. It's like these guys are following Doug Peters' mantra of let's point fingers instead of taking the blame for ourselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the special teams have been abysmal all year outside that, what was it, 73- or four-yard touchdown return that Jalen Rager had. Yeah, Rager did, yeah. On. But, I mean, you know, going back to the Cincinnati Bengals game when Matt Pryor moves pre-snap penalty – uh, they're lining up to kick a game-winning field goal, right, at the end right. of that game. And he moves and backs him up five yards, and then they have to punt. So um, just
1: from Jake that, Elliott's uh, regression. It's if gone. we're going to talk about regressions on this team, Jake Elliott has regressed a lot. That has to be on day fit.
0: Yeah, I just think he's been here since 2013. He's been here eight years. And, you know, sometimes it's just time for a new voice. And I think that that's kind of what we're going to see in the offseason of all the Moves we're talking about, I think that's going to be one of them that's going to happen very quickly. That Dave Phipp will be uh, shown the door, um, and they'll bring in a new voice for special teams. And they should. I mean, it's time. Let's face it. Uh, you, you know, it's not. You know, it's not the most glamorous of coaching jobs. Um,
1: no, but I mean, they've been a bad year the last. It's not even just this yeah. year. Last year they were bad too, particularly. So I, I'm. It's 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 time. You're right. It is time yeah. to move on.
0: But eight years is a long time the last in one place as a coach and uh, they need a new voice there and they've just been bad. And he, you know, he's, he's taken some of the blame. He says, it's on me at the end of the day, I got to be better. And, you know, he does say those kinds of things, but then he does lay some blame at the feet of others. So, um, you know, it's the whole excuse making mantra here at the end. And, you know, it certainly smells like the end when you start making excuses like these coaches are doing.
1: So to end close out, I mean, again, this episode airs on the 2nd, we're recording on the 1st, but uh, you and I get are now talking on New Year's Day. Uh, to close out 2020, you read this great story on Alex Singleton, though. and I thought it was great, and I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit more. Uh, you really think, you're really proud of Alex Singleton, and you're really wow. a big Alex Singleton advocate. I mean, the kid came out halfway through the season and established himself as the Eagles' best linebacker, noticeably uh, fast, Came from the CFL, complete project. I mean, what a story that kid is. I mean, uh, in a season that's only going to look like it's going to shave up to have four wins, this team didn't have any bright spots, but uh, Alex Singleton was a shining bright spot. Talk about him, what what you really think about him in his 2020 season and uh, his impact he's had on the Eagles and you personally uh, off the field.
0: Yeah, well, you know, he's certainly one of my favorite eagle players certainly one of the best to talk to i mean back in the locker room days (laughs) the olden times uh
1: pre-covid
0: yeah pre-covid i mean he's a guy you could just hang in the locker room with and just talk about anything and you know him and i have done that um you know family and vacations and you know all sorts of stuff i mean he's just a down-to-earth guy someone that you know and i said this that you'd want your daughter to marry and i have two daughters and believe me i don't want them to marry anybody uh (laughs) you know, until I put them through the ringer. But, but, you know, Alex Singleton's one of those guys that, you know, Hey, he wants to put a ring on one of my girl's fingers, man, go, go for it. Uh, Because he's just, to me, he's just, have you ever seen his zoom conferences? Have you ever seen him? Yeah.
1: He's, he's just a a smile. guy. I mean,
0: he just is so happy and, and, and so just joyous to be playing a game that he loves a game that he tried to break into for years and years. Now, finally it's here and he is remaining humble. With everything that's happened to him, and I really appreciate the humility that he shows, um, and, and the good grace in which he handles everything. I mean, it's just to me, it's a it's a testament to his parents, and I think I mentioned them in the story, Steve and Kim Singleton. Um, but then when I write these stories, Connor, and I tweet them out, um, boy, they get a lot of retweets and likes and comments from people that are in Canada. That
1: yeah, Canada loved him. I saw she'll it. Canada, Canada. I
0: mean, that speaks volumes that an American kid from. You know, Montana State goes up to play for Calgary for three years and the people love him, Um you know. And then what he's doing with the S- Special Olympics, you know, his older sister has the Down syndrome and uh, is a Special Olympics athlete and he raises money for that. I mean, listen, I, I just – to me, I, I don't see any downside to the guy and you hope that this fame and fortune that hopefully will come his way now that he had this kind of season. I mean, in that story I point out that Eagle linebackers – and 100 tackle seasons don't come along very often. Um, no. You know, Seth Joyner made them look routine back in the late '80s, early '90s, doing
1: it every year for five or six years. But Malcolm Jenkins was really the one that we relied yeah. on to get those 100 tackles. So I mean, a yeah. testament, a testament to Alex yeah. Singleton's season, and I mean, it was
0: halfway through the year. Yeah. And, 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 a, and especially at a position where the Eagles don't put any resources into it and was probably be the biggest question mark. One of the positions we talked about a lot back in the summer was, what are they going to do at linebacker? And Singleton's name, let's be honest, rarely came up. Uh, mm-hmm. in the Not conference. rarely. You know, it was the two rookie draft picks. It was Duke Riley. It was T.J. Edwards. Everybody thought T.J. Edwards was going to be, you know, the next Dick Butkus. But, um, you know, he's a little right. limited.
1: But absolutely. Alex Singleton ended up being what everybody thought T.J. Edwards was going right, to be.
0: Right. And, you know, Singleton's not over overly big. I mean, he's only six about 240. But man, that dude can go sideline to sideline. And that's why he's such a good tackler. I mean, he's tough with the inside stuff. But man, that guy can flow side to side with ease. And there's sometimes he comes from like, where, how, where did he come from? How did he get all the way over there? So Man. you know, he really opened my eyes, and I hope he opened the Eagles' eyes because he's an a, a, an exclusive rights free agent this off season. And you know, I think they need to pay him some money and bring him back. I think he's a guy that uh, you know can be someone on defense at a position where you don't value a whole lot. He could be the guy, um, but they still are going to need help at that position. Let's face it. I mean, yeah. but but Singleton to me certainly showed that he's he should be a starter be next that. year.
1: Yeah, he should. He should be a starter next yeah. year.
0: And and it took him a while, I think, and when you talk to him, to find the confidence that he is a starter because he seems like, you know, he, he talks about the reverence to the guys that play in front of him and how they make it easier for him and how he really had to adjust to making the calls. And he wasn't you – know, he talks about every Wednesday feeling more and more confident going out there and making the play calls and being confident that they're the right play calls. So I think, you know, he's even kind of – been surprised that he's been able to build that confidence week after week and uh, do what the coaches want him to do. So, you know, to me, he's the best story. His emergence to me is the best story of this uh, 2020 season.
1: I think his skill set in this era of football, what we demand of linebackers in this day and age is what translates so well and why he's such a surprise to coming up out of nowhere is because Back in the day, what we expect from linebackers like the Jeremiah Trotters, the Derek Brooks of the world, the Ray Lewis's, is to be a, a huge, thumping, run-stuffing linebacker that will take you out of the game and can make a game-breaking interception play or some kind of turnover-type hit, jar-hitting hit. Whereas nowadays, we need the the lanky, lengthy, fast, quick tight linebackers who can still tackle at the same time, but they can go sideline to sideline like Alex Tegutin can do. And again, I think people really underestimate how few good cover linebackers there are in this league. Yeah. It is a very, very limited amount of good cover linebackers in this league. It's hard to do for the linebacker position, especially with their assignments, what they're asked to do anyways on a daily basis. And it really depends on the defensive scheme. So uh, I think where football is going, Alex Singleton has a future, in it, whether it's with the Eagles or not. But uh, again, what a great person! I mean, he's been on this podcast before with Philly Sports. with Giovanni yeah. uh, takes his time out of his to, to speak with him, just like a like a pal at the bar, pretty much. And then he he teamed up with him. He asked to team up with him to talk to kids in North Dakota about bullying, like do a Zoom call and just speak to kids about the impact of bullying and what could. It, what it could do to people and how we, we shouldn't be like that and how we should be uh, uplifting each other. I mean, speak about the guy on the field, but I mean, off the field, he's, right. he's a saint. So uh, that's definitely a guy and he's young too, right? He's got to be like 24. Well, no, he's
0: a little, he actually just turned 27. Uh, 27. Oh, I'm a number. Just, just turned a couple weeks ago, 27, but you know, that's the prime. I mean, and that's you know,
1: fine. Yeah. I, mean, that's, I can invest a three-year contract into a linebacker. His, yeah. I mean, especially at the rate that you're probably going to get him at. I mean, that's fine.
0: And and the Eagles, with all the churn that they've had at linebacker, I mean, you know, they lost Jordan Hicks, to free agency. They let go of Nigel Bradham, Camu Gruger-Hill, uh, Michael Kendricks after the 17th. I mean, they've just had a lot of churn at that position. Um, So it would be nice to see someone kind of come in and solidify that group and be the guy as they bring some younger guys in. Maybe they actually draft some uh, stud linebacker or something who – uh, but, you know, they have Davion Taylor and Sean Bradley, but Singleton can be that guy that they look mm-hmm. to, and he can impart what he knows and that, that energy that he brings. He can instill that in some of these younger guys. And, you know, like I said, they the Eagles haven't had a lot of consistency at the linebacker spot because of the turnover, um, you know, in the personnel. So he can bring that. If you Like you mentioned, the three-year deal. I mean, I think that would be terrific. You know, three years, a reasonable price. Um, I don't think Alex Singleton would, you know, he certainly wants to get paid for what he's worth, but he's not going to be looking to break the bank or do anything like that. I mean, he he just genuinely loves to play because he 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 tried to play in the NFL for years and years when he came out in twenty fifteen from Montana State, and now he's getting the opportunity. And you know, Doug's always talked about guys like that who have persevered and who have overcome getting cut once, twice, three, four, five times, and keep coming back. Because those are the guys that eventually, if they pan out, those are the guys that stay hungry because they know where they came from.
1: Yep, those are the guys that always find a role in this Eagles team, too. Shout out to Greg Ward himself yep. as well. Absolutely but, right. But uh, what – now let's just top off the show with we got one we – we're playing Washington. We got one game left. What? Does your feelings tell you, what does your gut tell you? Cause everybody has an opinion. Every B writer has seen, it seems like they have a different opinion on this. What in your opinion, in your sense, and what your gut tells you, what do the Eagles do? What does Jeffrey Lurie do? Like what changes are made? Well, I think as
0: we talked about last week, I think having this week to kind of reflect on the season should be beneficial for Jeffrey and, um, you know, should be able to have, uh, some you know not be so emotional with a, a rash decision like had the eagles been in the contention against Washington and then lost this game then you know is he going to come right out and start you know making changes without letting the emotions subside so now he's had this week and i like i said i think the changes are going to come pretty quickly after the season ends uh, at some point during the week um we're going to see some changes and what they're going to be. Um, it could be the coach, it could be the DC, it could be the uh, you know, the special teams coordinator, FIP. But uh, I think we're going to see. I just my gut feeling is <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I'm waiting to see. I, th- I think they're going to ask Doug to give up play calling if he wants to keep his job and bring in an OC. And if Doug doesn't want to do that, if he's not comfortable doing that, then they're going to move on from him. If he is, then I think we're going to see, you know, guys like maybe Press Taylor going, maybe Marty Morning. You know, we're going to see kind of a bloodletting in the assistant ranks. Um, and then we'll know that they're going to bring in a an OC and he's going to call the plays.
1: I still think they give it to Doug. I think it happens. I think they do. And I, I think what you're saying is the huge reason why, because I don't think he's give up play calling.
0: Yeah, I mean it depends. You know, I mean he has. It been, is. It, it is. Now, I will him. say it, it,
1: it. He. He did loosen his grip on that hold. I will say, and he and he did do that publicly through the media. Uh, so I think that is interesting. I do take that into account. But I mean, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, and I saw Andy Reid fizzle out here, and I saw Chip Kelly fizzle out here, I really have to take it into account. Do I think Doug Peterson fizzled out here? I mean, these last two see I. I don't take. I know they went to the playoffs, but I mean, by the skin of their teeth, and the offense is not the reason why. So, besides Carson, outside of Carson Wentz, I mean, magic, playing like magical football, I thought, with the last... And again, it was against mostly the division. Uh, these aren't Super Bowl-winning-looking offenses. These aren't Super Bowl-caliber uh, offensive play calling. This is a Super calling calling It's not a Super Bowl-caliber offense at all, so... No. If you keep if you see something keep dwindling, I know you're saying bring somebody in, they call plays. But if I'm Jeffrey, I'm like, how long does that last? Because it didn't last that long because it only lasted two years with Frank Reich. I mean, I know he didn't call plays, but he had a huge hand in it. So how long does this new guy last? And then are we back at this square root again? I don't know if I can do this again. Yeah, well, then maybe reevaluate Doug. I mean, at that time, Um you you wrote you wrote something in in uh this week too. You think the, uh, there's one candidate that stands above the rest, and it was Oklahoma's Lincoln Riley. I mean, yeah. you really want to ride? We gotta pump that train, man.
0: <laughs> that's listen. Uh, if Lincoln Riley gets hired to be the head coach, you may as well say goodbye to Carson Wentz because I mean that's a big issue right there. I mean, you bring in. I,
1: I mean, I understand yeah. we're going with that obviously because of Jalen and the ties that. I'm just not. I I don't know. I would I wouldn't be surprised if they would be willing to do a quarterback competition because I mean I know that that uh, Lincoln loves Jalen and I'm look, I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine with that because I think Jalen's very talented too, but I mean Lincoln's gone ha- hasn't been committed to a quarterback since he's been Oklahoma's head coach because there have been one and dones. I mean they keep leaving it. So you get to tell him that he finally gets to pick a quarterback and maybe he likes Carson once a lot maybe yeah, he thinks it. he is talented by now it it is a it looks like carson Wentz. your mindset it looks like amazing. a jalen yeah it, it looks, looks like a jalen back pack. Deck.
0: i mean you know what chance do i have and at that point i probably demand a trade um you know and i'll do whatever i can with my contract whatever just to get out of town because um that wouldn't be i don't think carson would say oh yeah sure it's a it's a fair competition what if they hired the north dakota state uh Coach, you're right.
1: Oh, yeah, you're oh, absolutely you brought right.
0: Him in I mean, it, how would Jalen feel about that?
1: You're right, but that's one that's one phone call to make to say, Hey, Carson, uh, I know it looks like Jalen and I's history that you're that we're here, but this could be a quarterback competition, and I believe in your talents. I would have recruited you if I was Oklahoma's coach at the time or during your recruiting process. Do you think so, Carson's so, going to trust that? I mean, listen, no, no. Been, I mean, he had an ear right, I right. dry
0: with the mistakes that this team has made, the lack of quality personnel, you know, the coaching, the, the plays. I mean, I'll the tell you right now, though, that, that
1: eliminates two major candidates because Brian Dabble worked with Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Well, yeah, I guess. I think Brian Dabble could fix Carson Wentz, though, uh, the Bills offensive coordinator. I think he would be a good one, too, to play Star Peterson.
0: Well, I mean, you could bring in Greg Roman, the Ravens coordinator, South Jersey guy. I mean, there, there are guys out there that don't have uh, – you know, the, the, the smell of Wentz or hurts on them. Um, but listen, I don't know. The more I think about this old Doug thing, I just think they're going to give him an opportunity to stay. And it's how weird is that? Like three weeks ago, remember how everybody thought, well, Doug looks like he's trying to get fired. And he just has this nonchalant flip attitude in these press conferences. It looks like I, I want to get the heck out of here. But now in this last week, two weeks, since they've been eliminated, He's he's out here, you know, lobbying, making sales pitches for his job. Um, you know, he's making you know, excuses. I mean, made.
1: that's that's sad to me. I mean, that's sad. This is a Super Bowl head coach. This is the guy that literally sat in the middle of Broad Street saying "new norm, new norm." Like, if you have to get to that level, then things aren't working. Things aren't working out. Like the relate, you you sound like an ex boyfriend who is terrified of losing that pretty blonde girl. (laughs) Like, that's what you sound like to me. Like, that's, uh, I can't respect that. It's not fearless. That's fearful. You're losing your job. No, it's not. Um,
0: Yeah. And Laurie has to be able to see through it. I mean, will he, we'll see. I mean, I think he will, but I think there has to be accountability someplace, obviously. And, you know, these four, 10 and one seasons haven't happened around here very often. Um,
1: And, Andy Reid did not survive a four-win season with the Eagles lost on it.
0: No, he didn't. and uh, how, or, uh, Jeffrey had given him another chance from the previous year. And, you know, Andy And That really, was
1: an eight-and-eight an eight eight done season too. They should have; You could have fired him then. It would have made sense. Andy behind the scenes really lobbied to
0: keep his job. He really wanted to stay. He practically begged yeah. Lori for another chance. Um, but that was all, you know, behind closed doors, you know, not out in the public eye like Doug has taken it out into the public.
1: Which would indicate to me you think the writings on the wall or there's some of some some sort of decisions being made and you feel the heat from it yeah
0: well he's nervous but clearly he's, he's nervous. nervous and and yeah. like I said earlier like in, in he looked at his press conferences it looked like he wanted out he very you know he could look like he could couldn't care less and now all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, I could lose my job I better start telling people yeah i can do this i can fix things injuries really derailed us no off season. blah 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 uh and it's almost like a, you know the last ditch effort to try to save his job that's what it sounds like to me i don't that know it sounds
1: pathetic know. i mean yeah your, your biggest competition lost their starting quarterback your other competition lost their star running back mm-hmm. and all of them had new coaching staffs they had to adjust to and one was a brand new head coach and you finished last in that horrible division. Yeah. Like, it's, there's excuses don't fly. Everybody had the same excuses. They all deal with injuries. It's a yearly thing. We are, Every team dealt with this COVID stuff. Yep. Uh, it just sounds pathetic. It absolutely sounds pathetic. But it's actually been but,
0: a COVID yeah. thing. And if, as far as putting guys on the yeah. list, I agree. You know, I mean, I look agree. at the Browns. You know, they didn't have any wide receivers and the Broncos didn't have any quarterbacks. I mean, it could have been so much worse. From a COVID standpoint, and every single team had the same restrictions in place. And somehow, you know, they managed to do okay some of them.
1: It's gonna be an interesting offseason, Ed, and I'm looking forward to another year, uh, 2021 of talking birds with you on this podcast. It's gonna be a yep. great time. So again, everybody check out Ed and John McMullen's articles on the Eagles Sports Illustrated page with Eagles Maven. Great stuff. This could be a big offseason of change There's a lot to talk a lot of stuff to go over with the Eagles. So Catch us on Eagles Brawl talking about it. Catch Ed's articles on the Eagles Sports Illustrated page. Ed, thank you Thanks, for God. always this long talks yep. about just talk about the birds. I appreciate you, my friend. Happy New Year. Happy
0: New Year to you and everybody. Happy,
1: happy New Year to everybody. What's going on, everybody? It's Connor Miles, co-host of the Eagles Brawl here. I just want to give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors. That's Manscaped. Go ahead. The holidays are here. It's time to get your loved ones trimmed And nicely trimmed that is by going to Manscaped.com and using promo code BRAWL. That's B-R-A-W-L to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. You know it. He knows it. He needs to trim up. Go to Manscaped.com, get 20% off your order and free shipping when using promo code BRAWL. B-R-A-W-L. Support your favorite Eagles podcast, Eagles Brawl, when purchasing an item off of Manscaped.com and also take care of that person you love. What's going on, everybody? It's Eagles Brawl co-host Connor Miles, and I just want to let you know about our partnership with DraftKings. Football is here, and so is your shot at millions. Thanks to our sponsorship with DraftKings, all new players can play for free for millions with your first deposit. So let me just let you know how it works real quick. So you go to DraftKings. And you create your first ever DFS account. With DraftKings. You make a deposit. Minimum $5. And DraftKings will credit your account. With a free entry to. Numerous of contests. That can win you millions. Just go to dkng.co. Slash Pod to play. That's dkng.co slash B-R-A-W-L-P-O-D to play. Quick, Act quickly. This offer won't be around forever. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and go over there and sign up and support your favorite Eagles podcast, Eagles Brawl. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.